This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producers are Patrick Antonetti and Sean Cherry. This week, uh, one guest, but a terrific one. It's Trey Wingo, who probably does not need much of an introduction on this podcast. He uh, he worked at ESPN from 1997 until this month. He anchored multiple sports, uh, multiple sports centers, uh, well-known host of the NFL Draft, and he is now the host of the Half Forgotten History podcast. Half Forgotten History podcast. Check that out on iTunes, Stitcher or Google Play, and Trey and I have uh, what I thought was a terrific conversation about uh, him starting his new podcast series, why he's no longer at ESPN from his perspective, how it happened, uh, the um, sort of the his thought about taking the radio job with Mike Golick and what that ultimately meant for his future, uh, working at ESPN for as long as he did, hosting SportsCenter on 9-11, what uh, what he thinks ESPN will be heading forward, uh, the impact of social media at ESPN, and what Trey is thinking about next. So it's probably the, I think it's not probably, I think it's the first time he's really gone in depth about uh, uh, why ESPN opted not to re-sign him. So really interesting in-depth conversation with Trey Wingo. I think you're going to enjoy it coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, as I said at the top, Trey Wingo really does not need introduction for this audience. If you're listening to a sports media podcast, you probably know who Trey Wingo is. He um, he joined ESPN in 1997 and uh, and anchored pretty much every any kind of sport that they had on, including Sports Center. Uh, well known as the host of the NFL Draft, he is now um, the host of the Half Forgotten History podcast, which he will tell us about. And uh, I've certainly talked to him many times over the years and pleased to be joined by Trey Wingo. Trey, thanks for joining us on the Sports Media Podcast. Richard, how are you, man? I'm good. Um, all right. So, Trey, we will get to um, we'll get to ESPN in a little bit. But let's first, you know, as as you know, if you start a new podcast, you have to promote and you also are smart to go on other people's podcasts because naturally that is an audience that listens to audio. What is the Half Forgotten History podcast, and how often will you do it, and how did it come about? Well, Richard, I appreciate you asking all those questions. Half Forgotten History drops its first episode on Wednesday, which would be December 2nd. The premise of the show is uh, is basically sort of came to me after all these years because, you know, I, I got a chance to sit next to some of the greatest people in NFL history for a long time and just chopping it up with them. And most of the most interesting conversations to me came away from the camera, away from the microphone. We were just either in the green room or out to dinner somewhere, maybe with a cocktail in our hands, chopping it up about the stuff that 
I know and they know about some of the greatest moments in football history, but nobody else knows. So the whole premise is let's bring everybody behind the curtain. And we're really excited about it. State Farm, McDonald's, and Maker's Mark uh, have stepped up the sponsors for the first season. We're really excited about it. And it's basically just conversations with Hall of Famers and some of the greatest players in NFL history at some of the greatest moments, the dumbest moments, and the most incredible moments that you think you know but you just don't know, to quote the great Jim Mora. And it's going to be a lot of fun. The first episode is Wednesday with Hall of Famer Kurt Warner, and we discuss everything, including what was at one time thought the greatest lie ever told, which turned out to, turned out to be maybe the greatest truth ever told in the history of the NFL. Well, first of all, congrats on some big-time sponsors. So already you're ahead of the curve there. Um, one of the things when I listen to the um – the teaser, which is up now, just go to iTunes, basically, and uh, you could start subscribing to Trey's podcast. Apple, Spotify, wherever you want to catch it, Richard. Let's be clear, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, Trey, th- trust me, this is this is this is this is an this is an ad in Carge Zone. So feel free to hype up whatever you would like. Um, so, but I heard like you, one of the how you how you phrased it on your podcast on your podcast teaser was Trey Wingo presents, which th- which sort of in which to me sort of intuitively would make me ask the question, do you like, is it your goal to have a uh, production company? Is this the first in a series of podcasts? What, what, what does, even if that is not a real company at the moment, what does that represent? That is just letting everybody know this is only phase one. We're going to be doing a lot of these things. And this is the first one out of the gate uh, because it made sense. We're launching it in football season, but Trey Wingo presents for lack of a better term is the overall arm of where you'll get all the stuff that, that comes out of, uh, if you, if you were visually listening to this, it would be my lovely bar basement, uh, where we're going to be doing a lot of these podcasts. So it, this is just, this is just phase one. There's a lot more to come that I can't really say now, but maybe I can say in a few weeks, but right now this is just phase one of what we're going to do. And we're really excited about it. The uh, before we get to ESPN, I, I do want to ask you this because obviously it's not something I've uh, experienced. W- when you are setting up like a, a podcast uh, uh, studio, like in in your house or in your basement, like what has to happen? Uh, whatever the whatever the people who come in, they come in and they do what exactly? You know, we just we have a couple of lights in here, a really nice microphone, uh, just to make it a little more. You know, it's funny, like. We came down here and we're figuring out how to do it. And they just looked at the bar and said, that looks like a set somebody built for this show. And I said, well, <laughs> I guess I'm just extending my life, you know, how we're doing this. So, yeah, I mean, like, again, the whole premise of the thing was sit around, chop it up with friends and, you know, just have those conversations that you would have at a bar if you could go to a bar in this day and age. So it's going to be an outlet like that. And, and, and they just came in and put a couple of lights in here, good microphone and, and it just sort of worked out. I mean, uh, the way we built the thing, it looks like it was made to be a set. So, okay, let's go. Nice. So, and this will be this. Will this be in uh, video form as well? Like, you can get this on YouTube as in addition to audio. Yes, absolutely. You can get it on uh, on my YouTube channel, Facebook. It'll be parts of it be on Twitter and Instagram everywhere. So, well, Trey. I mean, one of the things you know, you worked at ESPN for a long time, and this is just interesting in that you now are going to own your own content. You know, one of the obviously, yeah. you know, one of the. Um, you know, one of the great things about ESPN, of course, is like they have the mega microphone, they have the incredible distribution, they pay you very well, um, but they own, they own everything you do. They own everything you say, they own everything you put out. So this is unique, right? I mean, now you not only do you have to be a content provider, but in a sense, you're also a little bit of an entrepreneur now, right? Yeah, it's fun. Uh, I, I, I mean, 
I had always been, I mean, whether it was at ESPN or before that, six years at an NBC affiliate in St. Louis, and before that, two years at an independent station in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, before that, two years at an ABC affiliate in, in uh, Binghamton, New York. So I had always been, hey, we will hire you and you will do this for us. Uh, but in the day and age that we live in, um, more and more people, because of the ability you have to get out and distribute what you think you want people to see or, or what you want, what you think people would want to see uh, is so much easier uh, uh, to do it another way. And it does give you a lot more freedom. So in that part, this is really, really fun for me after doing it the old way uh, for all those years. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let's transition to ESPN. I'm, I want to start, Trey. I'm, I'm really? going to ask you I'm a very... Shocked. Yes, I'm going to, I've warmed you up and I've given you the promotion. So um, I'm going to ask you an intentionally very open-ended question because I would like you to sort of go where you want to go and then I'll follow. Well, John Swansky would love you for that. Yeah. Why are you no longer at ESPN from your perspective? Well, listen, you'd have to ask them uh, is the best answer I can give you. I mean, uh, you know, the, the first story that came out that I might be, the odd man out came three days after the NFL draft this year, which I thought was kind of curious timing. Um, so, you know, it, I think that you and other people have noted quite nicely, and thank you for that, that, you know, everybody that I worked with, uh, we seem to get along. So I, I really can't answer that question for you. Uh, that's a question for them, not for me. All right, so let's um, let's start then at the NFL draft. You do the NFL draft. I think um, you know. I think historic. You know, like like everything in broadcasting, people can find sort of things that they might not have liked about a particular year or broadcast. But I think in general, people respected the work that you did on the NFL draft. I think you know, not a, there's nothing is a hundred percent, but by and large, I don't think that's such a controversial statement. So you you do the NFL draft, Trey, and I would assume that. Um, you know, it's April and your contract is coming up at a certain point, but you must feel that like, Hey, I've done really good work for these guys. I've worked here 27 years. The people at the, at ESPN, my colleagues, uh, I think, you know, respect me and, and enjoy working with me. I haven't, haven't been bad for the company. There's no negative stories about me. So in April, let's say after the draft, are you working under the presumption that, Hey, uh, my agent and I will figure out a way to extend at ESPN and we're going to continue this relationship. Absolutely. I mean, I had, had conversations with people, you know, in February, right after we got back to the Super Bowl about those very topics and all these things were on the table. So, yeah, I mean, that's, absolutely. That was the premise. Now, I want to be clear about a couple of things here before we go any further. Sure. Uh, it's their company. They can do whatever what they want. You know, so it's their decision. Uh, and that's that's sort of the, the way you you have to deal with that. But, you know, I, just so we're 100 percent open and honest here, you know, when I agreed to do the radio show, uh, I said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll do this for three years and see how it works out. And, and then I knew fairly soon that this really wasn't what I wanted to do long-term. Uh, 
not had anything to do with any of the people that I worked with. They were great. Certainly working with Mike again was so much fun because we did so many of the NFL lives in the early years and his son is just killing it now. Junior is really, really talented and I, I hope people are beginning to understand that. But I, it just wasn't how I wanted to spend my time. So I and my agent went to them in May of 2019, which is about you know, halfway through the contract and said, hey, we just want to be as open and honest with you as we can. This is probably not something that I want to do again going forward. And I just want to be open with you guys because the last thing I would want to do is not tell you that. And then like a month before or two months before you want to start talking about a new deal, you guys get blindsided by the fact that I want to go somewhere else and do something else. So I tried to be as open and honest with them as possible starting in May of 2019. And I guess in retrospect, that might've been the worst decision I could have made. Hmm, that's interesting. Can you, um, whether you want to name names or not, when when you and your agent make that decision to tell management, who are you? T- are you telling like the head of ESPN Audio, or is it the highest levels of, uh, you know, is it Jimmy Pitaro level? Like who 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 are you in? To me, and I'm again, I'm just looking this objectively. To me, that strikes me as, hey, that's a good employee saying, I'm giving you guys 18 months to realize that I appreciate the opportunity, but I'm going to want to transition. So you guys have 18 months to figure out a succession plan, which I think. Rather than giving somebody a week to figure out a succession plan, to me is a pretty professional thing to do. I thought so. I mean, I mean, look, let me put it this way: we weren't talking to the people that ran the cafeteria. We weren't talking to the night cleanup crew. I mean, and, and God bless them; they do a great job. But that's not their uh, area of expertise. So you know, we went to those people, and uh, and we said, look, we just want to be honest with you. Um, and what's interesting about that, and and again, I look, I want to be one hundred percent clear. I don't blame ESPN for anything. I I have no ill will towards anybody at ESPN because I worked there too long and have too many friends that I really want to do well. I I don't want ESPN to do poorly. I want it to succeed. I want it to do very well because a lot of my friends at ESPN aren't former athletes who have made a ton of money and they're just doing this. Although I do have a lot of those friends, but a lot of people that I've worked with for 20 plus years in the research department that are producers, that are directors, uh, that are uh, PAs, content associate guys, that I want to succeed and I want them to have long and happy careers. So I, I want to be hundred percent clear about this as we continue this conversation any way you want. I, I don't want ES. I wish no ill will on anybody at ESPN. I, I want them to do well. I want them to do well because so many people that I know and I care about, uh, they need ESPN to do well or they are in trouble. And, and I, I don't want that. I would have to be a, a really, I'd have to be a real big dick for me to want them to not do well, knowing all the people that I know that depend on their livelihood that are friends of mine that work there. Uh, so I appreciate you saying that. And I, I think you mean that. Um, it does. Everything you just said so far leads to this question, which I think is an obvious question. Were there some in management or if you want to take management as a whole who resented you 18 months? So I'm sorry that that resented you going to them and said, Hey, I appreciate this radio show. I'm going to complete it. But at the end of the radio show, I, I'd like another opportunity. I wonder, like, were you, uh, and maybe this is the wrong phrase, like, do you feel like you were penalized for going to them to say that, hey, um, this is not something I want to do past the current terms of my contract? Meaning, did you, they somehow think like, you know, hey, this guy's not grateful. We gave him the morning show. It's a big opportunity. ESPN, why is he, why, why is he not satisfied with this? How do, how do you, how do you see that? I certainly think that's somewhat of a logical place to go, right? 
Um, I can tell you this, which I thought was very interesting. Look, I had the greatest job in the world for me, doing NFL Live, doing the draft, going to the Hall of Fame. I loved it. I, mean, I loved the job. Uh, and then they came to me and said, hey, would, would, would you consider doing this? And, you know, I was weighing it. I, mean, I loved my job. I loved the job that I had. And I was really torn as to whether or not I wanted to leave that to go do something else. And I'll, I'll never forget, I'm not going to name a name here, but someone said, you know, if you don't take this job, they'll hold it against you. Um, so I, I guess that's my answer to your question, because if I had said no to the morning show, apparently uh, people who would know these things were telling me, you know, they'll hold it against you next time if you, if you don't take this job. Do you think any of this, Trey, is a purge of high-salaried, long-tenured folks? You've been there 27 years. I'm not going to ask you your salary on here, but I, I think people logically could sort of understand that that you were paid and compensated well. You're, you know, you're a uh, you're an anchor at ESPN who who is known and who hosted high-profile events, and you also did their morning show, which is a very important revenue driver for them. But we know that they just had a a, a a massive round of layoffs. It's very clear that they are trying to save money, in particular to try to get the NFL. And I wonder if you think part of this that you were caught up in is that this was an opportunity to to reduce salary where you fall under. And I would imagine perhaps in 2021, some of the people you work with for a long time theoretically could fall under. Look, that certainly makes all the sense in the world. And I, and I, I think there's probably something to that. The only thing I would say that would make my situation different was mine was the only name that kept popping up somewhere uh, in a somewhat negative negative tone, right? You would agree with that, correct? I would. Yeah, I mean, I, I, let's just be blunt. I feel like clearly someone at ESPN was leaking a negative connotation about you. Let's just be blunt. That would be correct. So yeah. I, it, what you're saying about cutting costs is probably true. But then there's an outlier to my situation, which you just mentioned. The, um, you know, you experienced uh, <laughs> what those of us in the business sort of call you get to see your own funeral in a sense. And the day on Twitter uh, when it was announced, when, 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 I don't even know if you announced it, Trey. I think actually uh, one of your colleagues, Seth Markman, may have put it out there first, although maybe someone else did. Seth wasn't the first. He just saw that a lot of other people were doing it. I mean, I don't want to. I got you. Okay. Seth is a is a really good friend of mine, and I would never want to say like, oh, he did. He just decided to do that. I, you know, it wasn't gotcha. because other people were doing it. Like, you know, yeah, and I'll I'll just that. note uh, for people who know who Seth Markman is, coordinating producer at uh, ESPN, um, longtime guy who um, was a point. Give him his title. He's the vice president. Come on, give him his title. Vice, is it? I never get all. There's too many vice titles president. in ESPN. Yeah, yeah. If Seth is listening, my apologies. But again, you know, he's a guy who. Um, who's um, hired and been in charge of a lot of people, uh, certainly respected at ESPN. And he happened to be, this, uh, yeah, and I would say, uh, I'll just sort of speak for me. I happened to see that he put out uh, a very, very nice tweet saying something to the effect of, I worked with Trey for a long time. He's a friend. He's a total professional. He's had an amazing career, and I thank him, which kind of, quite frankly, was a pretty ballsy thing for a management guy to do at that place. And so, Trey, what that did is clearly others responded to that. They saw that it was your last day. And I have to be honest, and it's not going to, might not make you feel better about the situation, but it had to make you feel good to see. I mean, so many people, both your colleagues, people in the business, just average viewers and fans, 
say really nice things about you and say uh, how much they respected your professionalism and work over the years. Look, at the, at the, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a difficult day because this day has been coming since the middle of July. I mean, I, right. I've known that for a, a long time. Uh, what matters to me most is what you just said. And it's not even just the Damians and the Ryans and the Teddies and the Darrens and the Stinks and the Tims and the Saturdays of the world. What meant the most to me were the people that were in the trenches with me who nobody knew, the Evan Kaplans of the world, the researchers, the John Perrins, the Vin Masseys, the Doug Clausens, uh, the Sterling Zs, uh, those people who nobody knows and have done just such an incredible job. Uh, Brian Ryder, who does a great job with the draft. Rob Adansky, yep. who does a, job, a great job with the draft. For those people to say those things, that, that meant a lot to me because at the end of the day, that's all I cared about is the people that I work with on a daily basis. Do we get along and do we have fun? And the answer to that was yes. So, I, yeah, look, it was, it, was a, it was a great day. Like, honestly, I, I know that sounds ridiculous. It was a great day. I, 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 it was one of my top days of all my time at ESPN because at the end of the day, you just want to be respected by the people that you work with. And that's all. That, that, that meant more to me than anything else. And, and nothing, nothing anybody ever would say or will say or had said before mattered. That's the only thing that mattered to me. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I got a couple more here for you on this, and then we'll, we'll move on to another Yeah, it's topic. all good, man. It's all good. You, um, you worked there for a long time, Trey, and you had great success. I mean, to me, you, you've had – I'm not retiring you here, but you had a lottery ticket <laughs> run at ESPN. I mean, you, you hosted the NFL Draft. You did SportsCenter. Uh, you did the Women's Final Four. You did uh, – I'm sure I'm missing a million things. Baseball, college football, whatever you ended up doing. Um, so you, you had a great career there. There's no question about that. All that said, you the, the the only way it seems like someone could sort of be at a place for that long is to sort of understand the dynamics and the politics of the place. And so I sort of just set it up, set the question up this way to ask you, have things changed in the last couple of years? Like did did the paradigm shift where maybe it was just a it was a different place for you to navigate, let's say in the last year or two or three versus, you know, the 20 something run that you had where clearly every single time you had a contract that came up, they, they re-upped you. That's an excellent question. The business changed, you know, I mean, and I think everything changes when the business model changes. Right. Um, I, I really tried never to get involved in the politics of anything because it, it's, it's pointless. You know, it's like you can go through all that, but it's a waste of time and it's not going to change anything. I just tried to do my job. I mean, the only way I can say that is every day I tried to show up and work hard and do my job. And that was the end of the day because, uh, you know, there are always going to be things you wish you would be doing and, and, and there always would be things that you thought were different, but it doesn't matter. Uh, and, and for me to have this happen at this time is really great. I mean, my, my kids are grown. They're out of the, they're out of the house. We're, we're through college. Uh, we took full advantage of the Disney experience. <laughs> you know, we went, we, we, we did a lot of that. So if this was going to happen to me, this was the perfect time for it to happen to me. So 
I literally have nothing to complain about. And I just want to be a hundred percent clear about this as we're trying to navigate these questions. And I, and you obviously don't want this information and I, you know, I, I will happily share with you anything you want to know, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to be one of those guys that said, screw them. They did me wrong because they, they did what they felt like they needed to do. And they made their choice. My choice was to say, look, I've been here a long time. I appreciate this, but I've tried it. You asked me to do this. It's just not really what I think I want to do going forward. And that was my choice. And whatever they did after that, that was their choice. Let me let me ask you a question about just sort of doing an ESPN national morning show in general. Um, how challenging an assignment is it to to get impact in a local market? And how challenging an assignment do you think it is for the people who are now um, doing the show after you and in Mike Golick in um, replacing two very well-known entities at ESPN. You guys followed, you know, one of the most uh, successful sports morning shows in Mike and Mike, whether you liked it or not, you can't argue about the success. So how to be most if you think about yeah, yeah, it, maybe how challenge. Yeah. How in sports. Yeah. I think that's probably fair. How, um, so how challenging is it for this new group to try to go into New York or Chicago and, and beat local, which is which is probably hard when it was Mike and Mike and Mike and Trey. Now it's a new group of guys who don't have the same profile that you guys did. Well, Keyshawn's. I mean, look, Keyshawn and, and, and Key, Jay. Yeah, okay, they're they're pretty big, and and Zubin is such a great guy. Look, I want to be one hundred percent clear. I want nothing but success for them. I want them to succeed. Uh, they're all people that I've worked with and that I admire and I enjoy and, and we we've been friends with. I wish nothing but the best for all of them. I really, really do. How hard is it? Look, for me, here's, here's the hardest part for me about doing the radio show. I and mean, this is just me. Um, you know, I have the utmost respect for anybody who works that shift for a long period of time because it takes a certain uh, adaptability that I just didn't have. Like, I could never, I'm a night owl by nature. Like, it is way easier for me to stay up till three than it is right, to get same. up at three. You know, that, that's just the way I'm wired. That's the way I'm built. That's just the way it is. And that was the hardest part for me was doing that. Uh, so that was difficult for me, but they asked me to do it. So I did it. Uh, I have like Golik is, he's an animal. Like he's an animal. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's been able to do this all these years or people that work on the Today Show and or people that work on Get Up, you know, even though, you know, that's still, that's eight o'clock and, and people that's a big difference. Like six to eight is a big, that means you're, you're, I mean, the alarm clock's going off two hours earlier for a lot of people in those situations. So I, I, they have all my respect for their ability to do that. But for me, it just, that was the hardest part for me was dealing with that. And, and especially after being on the other side of it for 30, almost 30 years in the business, that was, that was hard. I'm not going to lie to you. That was the hardest part of it for me. Let me ask you a question about Mike Golick, because this is an interesting one. I think this is one you can answer, and you, you would have unique insight onto this. The, I, I, you know, if you've made the decision to sort of move on from Mike Golick and Trey Wingo, and I think there's an argument to be made that, like, why would you remove Mike Golick from the morning spot given all the equity he's built up with the audience? Can, can you sort of maybe take me into the thought process here, Trey, is, why would you remove why would you remove Mike Olick from ESPN radio? He's far and away the most known entity there. He has a built-in trust and establishment 
with the audience. It, it Again, may, I'm not in management, so maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but it would seem to be a no-brainer to create a brand around Mike Golick on ESPN Radio, given that he is far and away the most famous person that you have who's worked at ESPN Radio. What am I missing here? I wish I could answer that question for you because uh, my answer to that is I wouldn't. Uh, you know, not only was he great at it, but he loved it. I mean, he loved doing the gig. And, you know, separate from whatever my decision was, they could have done whatever they wanted with him. Uh, but again, I, I really want to be clear about this. I don't want this to be, you know, Wingo, take shots at ESPN. Look, they can right. do whatever they want. It's their company. It's their business. I, I, I wish all of them the best. But to answer your question, honestly, you should. I mean, he, he's, he's a huge brand and a huge brand name that has built up a ton of equity. You know, whether it was starting with Tony Bruno, people forget that was the first morning radio show was Mike Bullock and Tony Bruno. And I got to say, the best part about the whole experience was the last five months of the deal when we were doing the whole show from his basement. Like Mike and I, like we live literally a mile and a half from each other. So, you know, again, when I think he was on the first or second ever episode of NFL Live uh, that launched in August of 2003. So we've been friends forever. Uh, his kids and my kids went through the same junior football program here in this town. And, you know, they went on to Notre Dame. My son went on to play college football in Georgetown. Uh, and, and so we've always had that bond. Like that, that was the easy part of it. Like there was no part of that, like, oh, okay, I'm the new guy. And you're, no, we were just, we were who we were. That wasn't, that wasn't a thing. Um, so working with him in the last four months, doing it from his basement, that was great. I mean, that was actually a lot of fun because the studios were shut down. We just went over his basement. They set up the cameras there and we just chopped it up. Uh, I Listen, he couldn't have made that easier for me. He was absolutely the best. And I will tell you this. He is as he is. Uh, he, he's, he's the most genuine, honest uh, person in the world. And I, I really enjoyed that part of our time together. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, three more topics here. I won't take too long, and uh, and then I will let you go. I have some um, time, Richard. Yes. <laughs> um, as part of the tributes uh, that I saw on social media to you, Bob Lee cited that you two hosted SportsCenter on September 11th. I, I had forgotten that. I'm not sure I've ever asked you about this, Trey, but can you take me back to that show and um, and what it was like to be on the set on that day when information, I'm sure, in real time is still coming at you. We don't know what we certainly know now. Um, man, that, and, and you're, you know, you, that's, that's 20, 19 years ago. You're a much younger guy. That must have been, man, that must have been a surreal, but, but also a very important day in your, in your professional career. Yeah, listen, you know, every year on 9-11, Bob and I send each other a note. You know, it's just one of the things that we do um, because – it was just the craziest day. And what I'll remember most about this day is that as I was leaving to go into work, uh, you know, in the morning, we, the Twin Towers had already been struck and I was pulling out of the driveway. My wife yelled out, the bomb just went off in the Pentagon. I'm like, oh my God, I'm driving to work. I'm like, why the hell am I driving to work today? What am I going to possibly say that matters in any way, shape or form? 
And so we were in there and we're all just trying to figure out what to do. Uh, and I was of the distinct opinion that we should just cede our time to ABC News. Like just take over the channel. There are way more important things than fricking sports today. You know, that was uh, one of the darkest days in American history. And I, I was pretty adamant about it. And then we had a bunch of meetings and Bob was pretty adamant the other way, which was, look, this is a day in U.S. history and we are a sports company. We need to chronicle how sports reacted to the bombings of 9-11 uh, for history. And he was absolutely right. And I, I was... It took a long time, but they, you know, I came around to his way of thinking. We were supposed to just do like a 30 minute show that day. I think we stayed on the air for two and a half hours. And then actually it was Bob and I the rest of that week. Uh, I think we were the only ones that did Sports Center the entire week. Uh, it was Monday through Friday. I think it was a Monday. Was it a Monday or was it a Tuesday? God, I can't remember. Uh, I think it was a Monday. I'll, yeah, keep talking. I'll, I'll find that out. Yeah, it was either a Monday or a Tuesday. And we did shows that entire week, just the two of us. Um, Tuesday. Yep. It was Tuesday. Yeah. And I don't want to say it was great, but it was, it was, it was an honor, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, it was an honor to be with him and do that again to this day, every day on nine 11, we, we make sure we catch up. Uh, there's another guy, you know, uh, that, that worked at ESPN who I also reach out to every day. He had a lot of his buddies that worked at Cantor Fitzgerald uh, and he lost a ton oh, wow. of people that day. like I think seven of his friends. So, you know, I, I make sure I reach out to him every 9-11 as well. Um, but that was, look, if you're asking me, you know, moments at ESPN ranked, that's way up there for a really weird reason, just because of the uniqueness of the day and, and what we decided to do and how Bob rightfully, rightfully convinced me that, that we needed to go on the air. And, you know, that our, our actually, our broadcast uh, is is play is plays all the time at the 9/11 museum. Uh, it's right there in the lobby, and people can see it. Wow, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, social media, Trey, um, <laughs> uh, did not exist when you started ESPN. It certainly does now, and man, has that become um, at many times at ESPN a bit of a third rail issue for the company. Um, for you, it, it, not, it has not been an issue for you, quite frankly. At all. You're pretty, I think. Um, uh, generally speaking, smart about it when it comes to that stuff. Everybody has their own f screw ups occasionally. But at ESPN, can you just sort of give me an example? Like, not an example, I take that back. Can, can you give me your thoughts on how social media sort of changed ESPN? Because, from my perspective, in terms of somebody who's covered it for a long time, uh, they are such a reactive company to what is happening on social media from both externally people saying things about them and certainly internally when a staffer says something on Twitter in particular, but it's crazy because that, you know, you're someone who this, this wasn't even, you know, this, this wasn't any kind of anything when you first started there, but by the time or the, by the time the end of your run, you know, think of how many things think, think of how many social media related things have impacted ESPN even over the last five years. Yeah. Well, I I gotta tell you a funny story. Uh, Twitter was launched in what, 2009, wasn't it, when it started? I think maybe, maybe a little before, but yeah, in that yeah, it ranged, 2007, I, I 2006. Two, I thought it was 2009. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it's kind of funny to look back at it now, but you know. 
2006, the official launch, as I have to say. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So it was it, then, yeah, I just inverted the number, I guess. But in the early years, you know, people were doing a lot of stuff on Twitter and a lot of people were breaking stories on Twitter. Right. <laughs> and, and ESPN was like, wait a minute, we pay you to break the stories on our platform. So we had this giant meeting about Twitter. And at the time, and I remember thinking to my head, yeah, this isn't this isn't good. This <laughs> isn't right. I, there was a meeting with all with all the on air people, and they basically said, "Listen, we own your sports takes. We own your sports content. So if you want to go on Twitter, you can talk about whatever you want—religion, sex, politics, whatever you want—but <laughs> but don't talk about sports." And I'm saying to myself, oh, "That's hilarious. That sounds bad. That sounds <laughs> bad." And I think I tweeted after that meeting. I like sports. I think this is still okay. <laughs> and, you know, as it turns out, the exact opposite is what ended up happening. And what should have happened? Don't talk about those things. Talk about sports. So it, it took, like, to your point, like, they, there was a shift. They had to course correct and, and get back on there. But look, everyone did, right? Every, for a lot of years, always, I always find it funny that people look at, at ESPN like, well, look what they did. Well, we were the biggest person in the room you know i mean right, look at the of size of the company and the number of the outreach and the number of employees as opposed to any other sports outlet we dwarfed them you know uh, just by sheer size i mean the number of people number of employees is a small town so you know you're going to have all the little situations that would pop up in a small town happen at espn and people are like oh how can that happen there it's it's a, it's a math equation, you know. It, it's it's a ratio. That's what it is more than anything else. And and I think sometimes people forget that. Yeah, I mean, like you know, people. The, I'll have the ESPNers, uh, certainly PR people, say, hey, you know, you know, you guys don't sort of cover uh, if Fox, if a, if an FS1 personality does something or an NBC uh, uh, sports personality does something, you don't cover it as hard as ESPN. And the reality is, yeah, that's true. Like, you know what? Like Switzerland isn't covered as hard as the United States when it comes to global impact. And there's a reason it for that. It should be, though. Maybe it should be. Maybe, maybe it we should, should be. All be. Maybe we should all be Switzerland. No, but you're right. I mean, that, right. And listen, don't think that hasn't gone unnoticed by all of us who at that time were like, feels like, okay, uh, they're making a big deal out of this, but they're not making a big deal out of that. And I'm not going to name any instances. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to point any examples, but you can certainly find them if you choose. Of course. All right, let's finish up with this, Trey. And I appreciate, uh, I've enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate your honesty. Um, you know, you, you, you're, you, you're launching um, the series of uh, audio video podcasts um which i have no doubt will be uh will be creatively fun and uh and interesting but you know i i i think certainly um if you are interested in staying in television in some capacity that should be out there for you so like where does your interest lie in doing um doing like a traditional some kind of traditional television let's say nfl related thing like uh you know i don't have to name any specific employers but you know whether it's a traditional linear network or whether there's some like uh digital uh brands out there there's uh, obviously a never-ending um interest in nfl content and you're a very prominent person who has talked about the nfl for a couple of decades so where do you stand on this stuff listen um yeah i look i, I love the nfl i'm not gonna and by the way i'm just gonna get this plug in here i i think it's really easy to criticize the NFL for how they're trying to manage this COVID situation. And I would say to them, okay, fine. Where did they screw up? Tell me how they did it wrong and, and let me know because I, I, 
That's a longer podcast for us. That's a much longer podcast. But at the end of the day, (laughs) the the only point I'm trying to make is at the end of the day, you're trying to play a game in which physical contact is required on every play in in a pandemic where you're not supposed to touch anybody. So well, more I, I, more than that, it's if you're if you're not going to bubble, uh, yeah. For let's let's forget about like the larger philosophy. Should they play? They're playing, and then sort of then you go on. The larger question is, you know, is was there an environment they could have played in a bubble? And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I just look. I just don't think logistically, realistically, that would have been the case starting basically for twenty two weeks. If you're talking about right, I understand that. Yep, it's, it's not the NBA or the NHL. Yep, correct. And in the NBA and the NHL did it with, you know, fewer teams down the stretch for just a few games before they got to the playoffs. So they could do the bubble scenario in, in the uh, in the playoffs, and I think that might happen. Anyway, I just – I think it's easy to take shots at it because, well, like, well, this is – well, well I mean, like, we've, we've gone to week 12. We still haven't had a game canceled. Now we're on the precipice with this Ravens-Steelers game, but we still right. haven't had a game canceled, which I think is pretty amazing. By the way, for most of you most most of you listening to this – you, that will be resolved either way. They will have either played or yeah. you'll be enjoying Trey and I when this game will eventually be played, right? Correct, correct. So I, I guess to answer your question, yeah, I, I, those we're having all kinds of discussions and I'm very fortunate that a lot of people are interested in having those discussions. So, you know, something is coming. I just can't say yet when or where and I thankfully have the ability to pick and choose. So, you know, yeah. and, and, and wait because, you know, I, I, I didn't, you know, I don't, I didn't buy 17 Lamborghinis. <laughs> so, uh, also you know, smart. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You only need 12, really, honestly. Um, <laughs> so that, that'll happen when it happens and we'll, we'll have an announcement about that then. Yeah. By the way, uh, there should be no Lamborghinis in the winter of Connecticut. I mean, it should, it should be terrible. bad, basically. The traction yeah. is just terrible. Exactly. It's a tire issue. All right, listen, let's give uh, – no doubt you will see Trey Wayne go somewhere uh, in the future. I, 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 would, I would bet pretty highly on that one. All right, um, as I said at the top, Trey Wingo is the host of the Half Forgotten History podcast. That debuts uh, this week. Head to uh, iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. Sign up for that. Subscribe for that. As Trey indicated at the top of this, you're going to have uh, some very, very well-known people – who are uh, telling these stories. And I think on a personal note for Trey, I just think it's going to be fun for him to uh, get creative and to sort of be his own producer. And uh, a lot of talent does not get that kind of uh, um, opportunity. So that's going to be actually a super, uh, super amount of fun. Listen, Trey, I I know you have not given one of these long um, interviews yet about this. So I really appreciate you coming on. Um, You know, it's not anything anybody doesn't know. I've written this many times over the years. I have, um, I have great respect for your professionalism and, um, and, uh, and I appreciate just how you approach things, um, on the air for viewers. So, uh, uh, best of success, but, um, uh, I know we're going to be, uh, hearing and listening to you for, uh, for the next couple of years. Thank you for, uh, joining me on the sports media podcast. Yeah, no worries, man. And again, at the end of the day, I enjoyed almost every single day of 23 years. So, it was great. I'm, I'm thankful more than anything else. And 20, no, 20, 23 year run. That's nice. I, I, yeah, it was great. Uh, for the most part, it was absolutely great. And I, I wish everybody that's there nothing but success. Right. Now you can be Carl Malone and head to the Lakers <laughs> and try to get a ring elsewhere, basically. <laughs> we'll see what <laughs> Thank happens. you, Trey. <laughs> All right, Richard. Be good. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to uh, Trey Wingo for his uh, for his time and his uh, honesty. I hope you enjoyed that. 
If you head to the archives, um, some recent conversations that I think uh, I think you'll find very interesting. Prior to Trey Wingo, Ryan Rucco of ESPN and the Yes Network on um, toggling between many different jobs and getting the uh, the big job that he just got, his latest big job, the Women's Final Four for ESPN. Ryan Rucco, of course, calls the Nets and the Yankees for uh, the Yes Network. And then Lindsay Adler and Olivia Witherite, who are colleagues of mine at The Athletic, who talked about uh, the impact of Kimming becoming the first uh, female general manager in Major League Baseball and what that meant uh, to each of, uh, of my uh, writer colleagues at The Athletic. For that, Hall of Fame basketball coach Muffet McGraw, uh, who is now an ACC Network um, analyst, and Grant Wall, the uh, well-known soccer journalist. Prior to that, James Andrew Miller on the ESPN layoffs. We went uh, 33 minutes on uh, what ESPN's future is. And I think you'll enjoy that. And then before that, ESPN's Chris Fowler on um, morphing between college football and the NFL this year. Head to the archives. It's probably something... Uh, that you'll enjoy and like. Um, if you do like this kind of conversation, please leave us a five-star review and a comment on uh, iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. That is how this podcast continues. All right, let me thank Patrick Antonetti again and Sean Cherry. Thanks to everybody Cadence 13 from Chris Corcoran to Spencer Brown to John McDermott. And this is Richard Deitch. We'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast.